0: Good evening everybody, welcome to the Bucket Drop Podcast, episode 21, brought to you by One Call Plumbing and Gas Fitting. No job too big, no job too small, residential and commercial, they do it all. For all your needs, there's just one call, 613-307-4080, One Call Plumbing. Now guys, I'm going to pull a Don Cherry on everyone now. You're probably sick of hearing me harp on this, but as I said in my January 7th, episode 14 the Habs are not making the playoffs just to summarize I just said let's tank gloriously and trade some of our vets to pave the way for the future and as I predicted which is not rocket science I'm not claiming to be an expert but they are not making the playoffs I also said while we tank we just want that little bit of candy that maybe uh will provide, so uh, I wasn't wrong about that, so he's been playing fantastic during his tenure with the Habs, last night, for example, uh, they lost against the Bruins 4-1, uh, Pastor Nat got his fourth hat-trick of the season, so congratulations to that guy, and you know what, I can't complain, like like I said, I do want the Habs to tank at this point, point. and when I say gloriously, obviously, it's with a little bit of, of action, and uh, a lot of action in that game, uh, obviously, uh, you had uh, that cross-check from... Uh, Big old Chara to uh, to Gallagher. And, you know, like, I don't even think it's that bad. You know, uh, Gallagher's kind of a pest, and obviously it was dirty. But, I mean, like, defense used to be big and tough, and I, you needed a little bit of that in the game. Even as a Habs fan, I know that he can get under the skin of the opponent. So, whatever, it is what it is. You got find $5,000, though. Like, why didn't find the guy at that point? You know, like, that's, like, pennies to him. It's chump change. And uh, I can't pick and choose which games I want them to win. Uh, or lose, you know, like even though it's the Habs and Bruins rivalry, you know, like it is what it is, uh, they're going to lose. And But one thing I did say in that 14th episode with uh, Mathieu Saint-Marie is that I wanted them to trade Weber and possibly Price as well just because the window is closing and we don't have the team to make a push right now. And if people can remember, in 2018, his career was cut short by foot injury. And this week, uh, things were looking very bleak, uh, according to Nick Kiprios, who reported that uh, his season was likely over, and his future in question due to the same foot being re-injured. So, like, basically, uh, maybe career ending. But to have dodged a bullet, uh, it still sucks because now they can't trade him to a team that's going into the playoffs and uh, get some picks in return. So, I love Weber, man. Don't get me wrong, I'm just saying that it's not time to go for the cup right now, so why are we keeping these guys around? Like, they're, they're just getting older, and, like, with Weber, for example, like, he's, going to get hurt again he's getting older right but uh, how many times are you going to dodge that damn bullet like the guy's getting older like I said yes he's a good example for the young kids but you keep a guy down on your team when you're making a run the team is in shambles and going nowhere near the cup right now and the window is officially closed for Weber and Price in my opinion I'm sorry but that's the reality of things so we need to think about the future and uh, we could get some good assets from from those guys but now it's too late for the Weber because I mean like he's injured right and the other teams will see that you know like it's, it's possibility that he's going to get injured again and and it's like the stock market he was having a fantastic season so you gotta sell high and and they had the perfect opportunity to do that but they didn't to me the problem with the haves starts with jeff molson at the top like i'm going to go on the record and say that he is the worst gm in the entire nhl if you do disagree please sound off in the youtube comments or on the bucket drop facebook page So the guy is either A, stupid, or B, a coward. And I think it's B. You know, like, I don't think he is stupid at all. Like, he's a a businessman, right? The guy just keeps lining his pockets with that nine mil we are saving on the cap every year, and he's not dumb. He may not be dumb, but he treats the fans like absolute idiots. So for the two past years, the Canadians didn't make the playoffs, and what does he promise us in the end-of-the-year statements? He writes, well, we're going to have better food options at the Bell Center. He's investing money into that, and yada, yada, yada. He's going to build from the draft. But you know what the problem is with the draft, though? A man called Trevor Timmons. And that's why Jeff Molson is a coward. He doesn't fire people. Oh, don't get me wrong. He'll fire the assistant of the assistants, etc. but he doesn't have the balls to cut the head off of the snake. So let's take a trip down memory lane. Shall we? I won't even go as far as Louis LeBlanc because everybody knows that story. But let's talk about first-round picks since 2010. 2010, Jared Tenorti gets picked 22nd overall. At 22nd overall, I guess the, the draft is kind of a crapshoot, but it was a good draft year. Like, guys who were picked after him, just to mention a few, Kevin Hayes, Evgeny Kuznetsov, might have heard of him, I'm not sure, but Charlie Coyle, Brock Nelson, 2011 now. That defense didn't work out in 2010, so... Let's try again. Nathan Bollier, 17th overall. Oh my God, it's not working out again. Let's trade this guy. 2012, Galchenyuk, third overall. If you've been following the hockey world, that guy just got thrown into a deal for Zucker for the simple fact that the Penguins needed to make room on the cap after acquiring Zucker. The Wild got more than Galchenyuk in the trade, obviously, but Galchenyuk was basically the bag of pucks in the deal. Like, how many times did that guy get traded? It feels like he left Montreal a year ago. He's already been to Arizona, Pittsburgh, and now Minnesota. Like, definitely in the KHL next year as his contract is expiring. But the Montreal Canadiens, an original six, Les Glorieux, Vaux Canadiens, who did they pass on for Galchenyuk? Morgan Riley, Philip Forsberg, Tom Wilson, Thomas Hurdle. They picked third overall. At least they got Domi out of it, but that was just like a last minute Hail Mary. 2013, Michael McCarran, not in the league. 2014, Nikita Scherbach, not in the league. I don't even know where he is. Noah Yulson, not in the league, but defense takes a little longer to develop, so we shall see. 2016, Sergachev. Alright, a good pick. A good pick. So now we've got a puck moving defenseman. Finally, we're building through the draft. <sighs> no, we trade him. Now. From 2017 to 2020, I'll just name them off because it's too early to tell. 2017, Ryan Paling. 2018, Cockaniemi. Still would have rather Kachuk, but that's a personal preference. People would be like, yeah, but they needed a center. You take the best player if you're picking third overall. 2019, Cole Caulfield. Now, I can't comment on those picks. I'm excited for Cole Caulfield, actually. But how many times can your first-rounders be out of the league before you get fired? Like, one of the most storied franchises in the league, and us fans are supposed to show up to the game, buy our $15 beers, and shut our mouth. Yes, they've gotten lucky and drafted well in later rounds, like Suvan and Galchenyuk, but you can't squander that many first-round picks. It's unacceptable. And that's the dilemma as a Habs fan. Even if you want them to tank like the Leafs, like the Pens, like Chicago, to build from the bottom, you still have that fear that we will squander those first-round picks. And like I said he does not have the balls to fire Timmons and to fire guys like Bergie. Like, no other GM would have lasted this long in any other team. Bergie needs to go. Timmons needs to go. Jeff Molson, grow some damn balls, and you better not fire that coach because he looks like Bill from King of the Hill, which is absolutely amazing. And on a serious note, he can only work with what he's got on the bench. And going back to Weber, uh, there was a whirlwind of news on his injury this week. But turns out he's only out for four to six weeks, which is still like into March, you know. So I got a feeling he's not going to play for the rest of the season. That's just me, but but I still want to know what happens if he does get a career-ending injury. Like obviously, people know that Big Boss and the Jets are working on a contract termination to avoid this sort of cap problem. But it turns out that if Weber was to retire early due to reoccurring injuries, and thank God it's not the case. But uh, had it been the case. The Predators would be on the hook for 3.5 mil per year until 2026. And the Habs, really not that much. Approximately 3.4 mil total. So not per year, total. So it's not that bad for the Habs, but at the same time, man, like the guy was scoring at will this year, and we could have traded him while he was a high commodity. So... Basically, the Preds should definitely be praying that he stays healthy, and uh, that's a weird one because uh, that payment structure dates back to a front-loaded contract signed back in 2012. Weber was obviously the captain of the Preds for a long time, but he had signed an offer sheet with Philly, for those that are old enough to remember. That essentially handcuffed the Preds. Uh, that was a 110 mil contract for 14 years, so that's like baseball money, man. I think That's going to be my new saying, you know, like, yeah, Austin Matthews signed a big deal, but that ain't shea money. Now, the league limits the years to seven, so that's a good thing. So we won't ever see that again because it was kind of spelling disaster right off the hop for the Predators even back then. But imagine if Weber did sign with Philly. Like, that's an interesting one. I bet he could have helped out in that Battle of Pennsylvania with that big bomb of his, like, Philly had some good teams in that 2012 to 2014 span. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Pasternak, with his fourth hat-trick of the season, uh, what an absolute beauty, that guy. I'm sure that Matt would give his stamp of approval, so I'm giving him the big Johnson for Matt. And I think there's another guy in the league that has uh, four hat-tricks. So uh, what's his name again? Alexander Ovechkin, when it looked like it was no longer possible, (laughs)
1: he still got it done you've got to be kidding me. We have seen some great young goals, and even Wayne Gretzky's looking up on the overhead scoreboard to just take a second look.
0: His tongue's hanging like Michael Jordan. He drags it to the inside, to the backhand. On his back, one hand on his stick, and he corrals it with the hook of his blade right here and fires it into the open side. That is great stuff. And I thought this was a pretty interesting start. Alex Ovechkin has 28 hat tricks in his career and four of those games were with four goals. So who do you think has the most? Give you a second to think. Of course, the great one with 50 followed by Lemieux with 40, and Gretz had 894 goals during his career. Ovi's already at 698 as I speak right now, so he's going for that 700 mark, and you know what, Uh, I'm willing to take a bet from whoever wants to mention something on the podcast. I want to get some conversations going, so uh, if someone wants to bet $100, you know, I don't have that Shea money, but I'll bet $100 that By the end of his career, I'm on his bet, right? Uh, He's going to have passed that 894 goals by Gretz. So I always pay my bets. Guys, please chime in just for that or whatever. Anything you want us to talk on the podcast, we have a Facebook group called Bucket Drop Podcast Group. So Bucket Drop Podcast Group. And uh, you can find us on YouTube, obviously, Bucket Drop Podcast. Subscribe, like, and comment. You can chirp us. We don't give a shit. And I do screw up a lot. I probably already screwed up with some stats already, so correct me if I'm wrong. It definitely helps when O'Connor's on here because uh, you can tell me if I get my facts wrong. But just for example, like I know Ovi and Pasta have four hat-tricks this season, but does any other player? I, I don't know. I don't know where to get those stats sometimes. So let me know on the group. Uh, I want to hear from you. I'm obviously a Habs fan, as you can tell from my rants, but if something great happens with your team, uh, post that up on the Facebook group. It's a public group, and we will be getting some merch in soon, so some hats and some cool stuff, so I'm really excited about that. Matt's got $50 on Philly this year to win the Cup. I got $50 on Dallas, so if you've got some news on those teams, let me know. If you've got some good stories about those teams, let me know. I just found out that Radulov, my man, Radiator, is on IR, which is not good news. But anyways, I was hoping to see him play against Montreal uh, this weekend, but it is what it is. And like I said, please chime in, comment, chirp us, whatever. I'm just a dude with a podcast, which uh, I do after my 9-to-5 job, so I'm not an expert by any means. Oh, man, I just realized that I screwed up. See, so uh, you guys got to comment on it. So I just realized that I said that Jeff Molson was – the worst GM in the league. He's an owner. I'm sure you guys knew what I meant. Anyways, guys, I have a terrific guest. I always get excited when I get a guest like this to come on the podcast. A guy who grinded it out in the ECHL and many different leagues, including the LNAH, the Quebec Senior League, to mention a few, but ultimately attained the pinnacle, which every little boy dreams of, playing in the show. He must love the number 800 because he had more than 800 penalty minutes in the OHL and again when he played in the AHL. In all, he played 175 games in the jungle. That was the AHL, and he put up 62 points in the O as well. If you don't know, now you know. Let's give it up for Brandon Sugar Sugden. Thanks a lot for joining the podcast.
1: Podcast. no problem man good beer
0: so uh what are you up to today
1: oh i'm just uh i'm just sort of getting back in the back in the swing of things in the gym you know i took I took a couple years off um but i'm uh, back in the boxing gym and then working out and stuff and uh my family owns a label manufacturing company They do like embroidery and stuff in toronto so that's what uh, okay. I've been uh, working on. Yeah.
0: Nice. Good for you. And uh, now this isn't usually how I start off the podcast, but uh, we're going to do some rapid fire. Just let me know the first word that comes to your mind when I say uh, these names, all right? Oh, Lord. So Wayne Gretzky.
1: Best player ever. Mike Scroy. <laughs> Donkey. Javier.
0: <laughs> oh, best defenseman. Donald Brashear. Bad breath. Shakira.
1: thats breath. <laughs> Okay,
0: perfect. I'm a bit of a hockey geek. I think I've seen all John Rassi's fights on YouTube. And uh, the the way I discovered you was actually a fight against him. So, like, I was just kind of, like, scrolling through his videos and – I saw you go with him in the uh, Quebec League. Just your smile, like you, you just look like you absolutely loved it.
1: Uh, actually, uh, me and John are uh, like really like best friends. And uh, it's funny because it was like the longest square off um, in, in like ever I've ever had. It was like, I think it was like a minute and a half square off. You can see us talking, but really what we're talking about is I'm asking him, what strip club are we going to go to after the game? And then he told me because, you know, like, oh, where are we going to this one, this one? So that's what we're talking about. What strip club are we going to? And, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a great tilt. I mean, he was frigging, he, he's a, he's a tough, 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 pound for pound, one of the toughest guys I've ever of my life. That's hilarious,
0: man. I can't believe that's
1: what you guys were talking about. Yeah, were, yeah, the strip clubs. We're talking about strip clubs because there was a really good strip club in, uh, in St. Jean, which uh, he was, uh, uh, in my hometown, and, uh, yeah, it was like a full-service flip club, so it was freaking awesome.
0: Nice. You obviously played in the OHL and the ETHL. Uh, can you tell me uh, how you got in that league exactly?
1: Well, I played uh, I played midget uh, AAA hockey from the time I was 9 years old to uh, to 16. And then at 16, when you're midget, you get drafted uh, to the O. If you don't get drafted, then you might go to university. So I got drafted the third round for London. Um, in uh, 95, I guess it was. And uh, yeah, so I went to London, and I played London, Sudbury, and Barry. Three different... Uh, I got kicked off every team again every year.
0: <laughs> How exactly did you end up in the LNAH during those years?
1: I got suspended for life um, when I was playing in the ECHL, my third year pro. Uh, I threw my stick in the audience, um, and then uh, I, I came back out, and, and I got suspended for life from all professional hockey leagues. So I went back home and uh, uh, during the, the uh, appeal process, there was one league that would let me play, and that was the LNAH. I played there uh, for uh, the last half of the season, and then I was reinstated, so I went to to uh, Syracuse American Hockey League after. And
0: that's cool, like, that you were able to go back to the NHL, obviously, and that while you were in that league, without talking numbers, like, were they treating the fighters well, at least?
1: Oh yeah, no. That's the the fighters would get paid the most. The goal scorers the least. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's how. That,
1: what a, a goalie? A goalie would get paid really well, and the best fighters would get paid really well. But the goal scorers and stuff. I mean, they're in, in Quebec and in Montreal, they're a dime a dozen. So they want the good goalies and 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 the, and the good fighters.
0: Did the fighting start before you, you even played
1: me? Well, I, I, I started boxing when I was uh, like eight years old. Started uh, amateur boxing because my father was actually a professional boxer. Uh, he sparred with Muhammad Ali, um, wow. he trained two world world champions, uh, Trey Travis hudson and he was uh, the scariest man in the world. <laughs> but uh, so I, I, I had about uh, 198 amateur fights before I was 16. So um the fighting kind of started before but then when i jumped into the into the ohl i realized that i could play pretty good on the skate so and and the coaches saw that and the team saw that so they, they probably put me in that role that's pretty cool and
0: like uh whenever i i told you earlier that uh, i discovered you from watching that bout with um Rasky in the NHL, yeah. i obviously uh went down the rabbit hole and looked at a lot of your other bouts and <laughs> uh I, I saw you fight with brashear in the nhl Like, I mean. Every little boy dreams of being in the NHL. I fought two bouts with Brashear, but were those in the same game?
1: Yes, the the first one at center ice uh, was the first fight, and then the uh, the the one the longer one was uh, in the third grade. Um, okay. he had just scored a goal, top two from the blue line, and so I was all pissed off, and I went out there and I fought him uh, again.
0: Honestly, uh, pretty impressive because uh, in my books, I place some in the top five of all time, and yeah. uh, you did very, very well in uh, in that first bout, right?
1: Yeah. Well, the first bout is a really quick one where like, I put him down quickly. No. For sure. fight, uh, yeah. The second fight is the beginning yeah. He had out of his jersey, and it's really tough to fight somebody when they don't have anything to hold on to.
0: <laughs> Friggin' really impressive in my book. And uh, can you uh, describe the feeling for someone uh, who hasn't been there, obviously, to attaining the pinnacle, like to strap on that Washington Capitals jersey, if, uh, if you can put it into words at all?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's- you know, I got drafted by the Leafs. Um, I, I, you know, I played some preseason games with the Leafs, and then I was with the, the Comos Blue Jackets, and, and, you know, I played some games with them, and, and then I was with the Islanders, and I played some games with them. But to, to put on the Washington Capitals jersey and fight in Madison Square Garden against arguably top five, toughest guy ever, um, to have, you know, 18,000 fans looking at you um, and cheering, I mean, it was just, it, it's its really tough to explain, but it's, um, it's almost like, you know, you're, uh, I don't want to, to talk you sexually here, but it's like, you can't imagine the feeling, it's just, its you know, I, I was—I think I was high for, for a week after that, just on that moment. It was that's ridiculous. A, that's amazing, man.
0: Like, obviously, uh, you, you can't just be a scrub to make it to the OHL, so, uh, like, who was your favorite player growing up?
1: My favorite player growing up was
0: Eric Lindros. Okay, that's
1: interesting. Just because he was a big guy, um, and he, had, uh, he had he had great hands. Um, and he, he could fight too. Me and, me and his brother Brett were good friends, and um, and uh, we we skated together a lot. But uh, just Eric Lindros, just to watch. The first time I saw him play was in the uh, was in the OHL in Oshawa. and he scored a goal with a wrist shot from the red line, top two. And I was looking at this guy, and he was so much bigger than anybody else, and he. he you know, he was just, I, I just enjoyed watching him play. He was just, uh, he sort of dominated the whole rink. You're six foot 6'4", uh,
0: 233 pounds of uh, solid steel and sex appeal. So, I mean,
1: uh, you were <laughs> a small guy. You weren't a small guy either. Yeah, no, yeah. But, I mean, back when I first saw him, um, you know, I was, you know, under six foot. And, you know, so it was, like, just to see that guy. It was, and then to, to grow up to be, like, the same size and stuff, it was, it was kind of cool.
0: Nice. And uh, one season I have to ask you about is uh, when you had
1: 122 penalty minutes
0: in 10 games for the Chekhov Vityav. <laughs> Can you walk us through those days in uh, 2009, oh. 2010?
1: Yeah, that's, that's when I, uh, when I left, um, the Capitals, uh, I got sent down to, uh, to a heart, uh, the, uh, uh, where did I go? I was sent down to Hershey, Hershey Bears, and then uh, I got offered, a great uh, contract, like $300,000 per year, tax-free, to go play in Russia in the KHL. So obviously, I took that. and no kidding, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the boss of the team, the owner, it's all like Russian mob out there. It's just unbelievable. I mean, there is, and I got picked up. The first time in a bulletproof car, and bodyguards opened up the door with guns in their pocket. I mean, it was just like a different world. And the boss was uh, a, a lover of fighting and boxing, and so basically, that's all he wanted me to do. So my job was before every game, or before every uh, the beginning of the, the beginning of the game, I was always the first uh, on the starting line, and I, my job was to go to the uh, the, the bench and and point my stick at all the players and tell them I'm going to kick their ass and listen, and that just to scare them. And then, uh, yeah, the fuck would drop, and I would just grab anybody and, and go nuts. So that's what they wanted me to do, and, and that's what I did. So that's basically how I got those 20-20 minutes in a few games.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, were the guys, uh, like, obviously, they they probably weren't all fighters. Like, were were some of the guys just scared
1: shitless? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, uh, our team, we had, uh, I was actually playing with Chris Simon, uh, Josh Gratton, uh, and Dorothy Verrell. And those are three, you know, really tough guys. Of course, um, and yeah. Chris Simon all alone. I mean, he's one of the toughest guys for Washington. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so this. But the, the boss just like that. Uh, he loved his Canadian fighters, and you know, he would bring us in. And and no other team really had any fighters, so it, it was kind of. I kind of felt bad sometimes because I mean these Russians, you know, they don't know anything about fighting, and then they got this big Canadian guy coming over and grabbing them and beating them up. But you know, I got paid for it, so I did it.
0: When you were fighting, obviously, uh, you said that you had a boxing background. Was it during the time that you also had to train in MMA?
1: No, I never trained in MMA. Just okay. And uh, did
0: you enjoy living in Russia?
1: The women were amazing. Uh, the money was amazing. Uh, the weather sucked, and it was one of the most depressing countries I've ever been in my life. Um, really? I mean, okay. Yeah. For men, uh, it, it's it's a sign of weakness if a man smiles in public. You know, um, it's uh, it's just there were so many uh, superstitions from way back in the day, and um, it was kind of a depressing place to play. But you know, I, I started drinking vodka again back then, so um, I kind of made it past that way. <laughs> That's what I was gonna
0: say. Was the vodka good? At least, so.
1: yeah, Russia
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, now that we we talked about Russia a little bit, where was your favorite place to play?
1: My favorite place ever to play was Syracuse. Um, yeah, for uh, Syracuse Crunch. Um, my best year of hockey ever was when uh, I played for the Hartford Wolfpack. Yeah, that was my best, uh, my best year of hockey.
0: And uh, who was your your favorite teammate along the way?
1: My favorite teammate? Wow, I got so many. And if anybody listens to this, we'll get upset if I don't uh, say their name. But honestly, uh, Mark Hartigan. Yeah, he won back to back Stanley Cups with Ducks and the Red Wings. That's awesome. Besides hockey, like, what's your favorite pastime? Uh, I love, I love training. I love boxing. Uh, golf obviously and uh yeah that's about it
0: and i am definitely a fan of golfing on a nice sunny day with a cold brew in my hand i need to work on that handicap a little bit but the foot wedge helps when you're underneath those trees the beer I always reach for is Rurbin. My favorite is the Fluffy Boy. They have many different selections from pale ales to laggers to stouts. So, guys, check out Rurbin Brewery in Cornwall, and you can also find it in local restaurants. And it just turns out that the interrogation is brought to you by Rurbin Brewery. So enjoy the interrogation.
1: There we go. State your name. Brandon Sugar Sugden. Favorite sports movie? Uh, uh, Jerry Maguire. Shut <laughs>
0: You had me at hello.
1: Shapely or it's skinny not really women. a sports movie, but kind of.
0: Uh, it's all right. Show, show me the money, right? Yeah, exactly. Shapely or Skinny Women? Skinny. Smooch, Mary, Dump, all right? So, Abra LaVigne, Celine Dion, or Oprah?
1: Oh, Lord. Probably smooch with, uh, with the Frenchie, Mary, Abra LaVigne, and Dump, Oprah. Oh, but you back One, two, three.
0: Uh, what's your pet peeve in
1: life? Bad drivers, man.
0: People that stay in the, the left lane too long.
1: Oh, the left lane too long, put the signal too long. Is it all? I can't, I can't stand it. And I've, I've been in a couple of road really rage incidents. If someone left you a cottage in their will,
0: uh, you, you're gonna decide where it gets dropped off. So, what location are you choosing?
1: Muskoka. Yeah, why? Oh, it's the best, man. I, uh, I was a kid. I, my parents had a cottage right on, uh, right on the lake there. It's unbelievable, man. Kicks and little bikinis and. Yeah, probably in mosquitoes. That's amazing. You just won the lottery, so uh, what are you doing with the first million? The first million? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Going to Vegas and putting it all on red. Right on. You just got falsely convicted of a crime, and uh, you're now on death row, so what's your last meal?
1: Oh, shit, last meal. meal, meal, meal. First and first, buddy. Lobster and slash and salmonella.
0: That sounds delicious. So uh, you're making me a little bit hungry, so I'm going to let you go on that note. And uh, great to have you on, man. I really appreciate
1: it. No, no problem, man. Take care. You too.
0: So that was a great interview with Brandon. Absolute beauty, that guy. You know what? Surf and turf sounds delicious. I'm hoping to have some of that myself this weekend. Maybe hit up the keg with the wife for Valentine's Day. But I don't have that shame money, so I can't be eating that every single day. And uh, some good news. Obviously, about Jay Bollmeister, I guess he's doing well after that cardiac event on the bench. That was a really scary situation. Um, it's, people aren't aware that are listening. He was unresponsive after collapsing on the bench Tuesday night against the Ducks in Anaheim. Thankfully, there were first aid responders, and those guys deserve a lot of credit. And they used the fibrillator, actually, from everything that I'm reading, and that's what made him regain consciousness. So, super scary situation. Uh, they had... Uh, they had to flip over the bench. I think uh, lock was helping to flip over the bench. Obviously, everybody was scared. You've seen everybody in a panic. But the first aid responders, man, those guys don't get enough cre- credit. And at the same time, like people like, like us, like donkeys that play uh, pickup hockey, uh, it's always important to know where that defibrillator is because basically we just seen it uh, help someone come back to life, essentially. It's very important to know where that is, Uh, but just a scary situation. And, uh, like, the guy is in great shape, Uh, obviously takes care of his body. Uh, He's, I think, 17 seasons uh, in the NHL, so really, really scary. Only 36, and his dad was uh, at the game as well, so he accompanied him to the hospital because it was the the dad's trip. So all prayers go out to him and his family. Uh, From everything that I'm reading, he is doing very well and is currently uh, undergoing more tests but uh, I'm happy that he's doing well. So thanks a lot for joining the podcast, guys. Bucket drop.